You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 244 of PHP Ugly, reading the palm of PHP week after week. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me is John Congdon. I am the king of overpromising and underdelivering. <laughs> and Tom Rideout. I am Tom. <laughs> Hear me roar. No, just Tom. <laughs> So, so I, we need to tease the unboxing a little bit. I, I, hence, I hope that's hence, not what. No, that's, that's the over. I put it out there, and like I see people retweeting, like, "Oh crap!" Everyone's gonna be so underwhelmed. I think. No, it's <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. They're expecting me to break out a brand new Mac or something. <laughs> it's not that. I'm going back to the Mac. Back to Mac. That's John's slogan for 2021. Back to Mac, Tom. I think we have some talking to do. You Why? said you had a crap load of PHP stuff this week, and I got to be honest with you, I got a crap load of stuff as well. So this should be chocked full of PHP goodness. That's all I'm expecting. Well, that's not all you're going to get. <laughs> all right, let's start with everybody's week. Tom, right. how was your week? It's been a little crazy and surprisingly short. Uh, this whole... Uh, 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 fourth of july thing has me thrown off quite a bit uh in a good way like like, because you got the day off (laughs) well because i got you worthless yeah so when it was the sixth i was trying to figure out why it was tuesday because i didn't get the fifth off because if the fourth is the holidays i just it's been wait did you you work monday or no i i just got very confused all week it's been it's been a crazy week i'm still confused did you get monday (laughs) off or not i got monday off you just said you didn't get the fifth off. I'm so confused. But it was the but it was the fifth that I got off. But it was right. for the but it was for the holiday of the Fourth of July. Welcome to the normal world. That's, that's how it works. I just, it, 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 we, they, you could have just not got anything off since the fourth didn't fall during the week, and then you'd be complaining. Oh, we should have gotten one day off. I I was just confused. That's all. I didn't get the day off. I totally forgot. <laughs> I'm working. I'm like, where is everybody? Why isn't why 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 aren't there anybody online right now? I was here. All right. How about you, John? How was your week? Long because I worked on Monday. <laughs> why did you Actually, work on Monday? It was a holiday. Well, one, I own a business that there doesn't is no holiday. <laughs> and, but in all reality, I'm taking off tomorrow and then all of next week so i oh I right like you're, I should you're traveling in. yeah i'm huh? going going to florida are you uh are you actually flying tomorrow i am flying tomorrow okay right, well yep. safe travels my friend safe travels thanks it'll be it'll be interesting <laughs> going yeah. going back i mean we've talked about on the show going back for my my sister's celebration of life uh it's kind of a a big mix of things it's that my my niece's birthday is today, actually. So happy birthday, Destiny! Uh, so it was her. It was her mom that died. So we're going to going there for that. My nephew is going to the Air Force, I believe. So we're we're celebrating him and everything going on there. Just getting back together with family who I haven't seen in years. 
Yeah. Yeah, my my week went pretty good. Um had got some exciting news. I told you guys last week something exciting was happening and it happened and I still can't tell you about it. <laughs> but it's exciting. <laughs> oh my god. I can tell you this to John's overpromise under deliver. This is going to be I think it's something everybody who listens to the podcast will appreciate. And I am very, very excited to be part of this. So I'm looking forward to sharing it. I, we're not going to drag it out a lot. There's there's some technical things we have to take care of, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna move it move it along pretty quickly. So hoping to have something for you. I don't know next week, week after. I am not here now. next week. No John next week. So obviously because of John, I can't reveal it next week. So everybody tweet John, tell him thank you for that. And uh yeah, that's that's that. Oh, and I told you I thought Taylor was ghosting me. Not only did he did he reply very nicely, I might add, but he even replied <laughs> to some of my off the record questions and I was very excited and yes they were live wire specific <laughs> so, so are, they, went, are they so off the record you can't talk about them on the show or yeah because I thought it was the off record the record yeah that's kind of kind of what off the record this is, is when, but when the flashing light says that it's recording that means we're on the record <laughs> He was he was very very nice to because I, I you know the the we did we I do these interviews several ways we'll we'll do a video chat if the person wants to do a video chat or we'll just do it over email typically when we do it over email I'll create a Google Doc with a bunch of questions and then they go in and answer um, it works pretty well so I I done my typical you know questions there are there is some very exciting news in this art this interview so I can't. Reveal it, obviously, because I, I have to write it for PHP Architect, get it published. Then I'm sure everybody's subscribed to PHP Architect, so you all will see it when it comes out. But if you're not, I'll talk about it then. But there's some exciting news in there that I was very happy to see. But then, you know how I ramble. Like, what? So, you? <laughs> so you've got two exciting things that you can't tell us about. <sighs> yeah yeah that's that's about what it was i just i wanted to give taylor props for after all the questions i asked i i did a bunch of off the record stuff and i'm like hey interview's over this isn't for the article i just had you know some questions for you and he replied to all of them very me? very thoroughly you uh <laughs> you, you and your wife swap keys <laughs> huh? 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 Really, huh? You're creeping me out, man. Please stop. Hey, you, you uh, you're oh. big fan of the so, big fan of the '60s. All right, where's that mute button? I'm trying to find that. <laughs> <laughs> so I I tweeted out today, and in doing that, I went to our YouTube page and saw how many subscribers we're at. Send out this tweet. It got retweeted a few times. I come in here and expect to have like four times the number of subscribers. Yeah, it hasn't moved a bit. <laughs> what, what are we at? Please, please hit the subscribe button. Right what there. are we at? What, what, 377. What's our... 377. 377. Yeah. All right. All right. It. So we're going to have to clickbait our, our titles a little bit more. Um, I know. I'm suggesting uh, Taylor finally responds. We go, for, <laughs> we go full YouTube drama. <laughs> oh, wife swapping with the Otwells? <laughs> no. Don't get us in actual trouble. <laughs> 
All right, Tom, I have a, I have a question for you. Uh, I, I have a few things that, that we can lead into this, but I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna raw dog it and just jump right into it with you, because it actually started with John, and John reminded me of it. So John hopped on a code share with me or code with me again this week. I took the initiative to start writing more tests for this very complex forum that I was building with Livewire and. Um, John jumped on, and we worked through some testing uh, challenges I was having. Very helpful. Thank you, John. But You're welcome. John, it was, it was to code with me through PHP Storm, and uh, John didn't have his Vim bindings, which I thought we had figured this out in the past, but I, I don't remember. So we, John, we, it used to be available through the plugins in their little applet or whatever they have, mm-hmm. but... I went to the plugins and it wasn't there anymore. So I don't know if what's going on in that that thin client they call it, not applet. I did notice your your thin client was did have your theme though. It wasn't it white like like when I did it, my thin client was white. <laughs> so when we shared yours, yours was yours had the theme, hmm. but yeah. but neither here nor there. That. John John had to manipulate some text. And it took him a while because he didn't have his Vim bindings. And that got me thinking. So this is a scenario. I John, feel free to jump in. If, if you have a solution, I, I'm happy to hear it. I had a pro- not a ha- problem. I had something that happened this week that because of my, my knowledge of Vim, I wasn't overwhelmed with. It wasn't it wasn't like fun. I mean, I guess it was kind of was fun. Was it but, quitting Vim? But Did essentially, you get stuck in Vim again? what I had is uh, this complex form I'm working on had one of these choose what country you're in. And so I, I went out there and I'm like, I don't want to figure this all out. I'm going to, at first I look for packages, but then I'm like, hey, you know what? I remember, uh, uh, what's his name? What's the live wire guy? Caleb Porzio. Porzio. He had that sushi package I was all, all all up in arms with a while back that I still hadn't used. Sure. Basically, all sushi does is it allows you to define arrays, and it treats those arrays like eloquent models. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, as if they're a database call. So I'm like, okay, I want to use sushi because I don't want to create a table for this and manage a table for this and all this. I'm, I'll just throw them. I'll throw all the countries in the sushi. So I was looking for a good source of countries and. I'd come across this package that somebody had created to basically do the same thing, but again, it created a table in your database. So I'm like, all right, well, where is this guy putting all the countries at? And he had this big JSON file that was like 5,000 lines because each country, he was doing things like, what's the citizenship? What's the flag? What's the capital? What, uh, what do you call people in this country? I forget what the name. I mean, like e- each country had like 10 things in the JSON. Sure. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'm probably not going to use it, but it's cool to have. So I grab it. I grab the JSON. I needed it to be array, an array. That was pretty simple. That was just a simple search and replace. That's not, I mean, I did it in Vim, but that's not a Vim specific thing. So when I went to use it, sushi, uh, yeah, sushi started complaining and said, Hey, each element in your array needs to be have the same amount of fields. I'm like, what? And so I'm looking, I'm like, okay, it's saying that, you know, my little chunks of data, each country has to have the same amount of fields in that section of the array. And I realized that this JSON, there would be like these odd, odd countries that, you know, he wouldn't have some like the, the, the currency of or something. I'm like, okay, 
I don't really need all this information. I really need three fields. I need the, the name of the country. I need the abbreviation of the country. And just because this person had put, had created these flag icons, I wanted the icon, the flag icon of the, that country. So where like 80% of the, of the countries had like 10 fields, there would be these onesie twosies that didn't have 10 fields. And what they were missing weren't always consistent. So now in my Venn world, I'm like, oh, this will be fun. This this will be pretty easy. So I created a macro that jumped into a, a, a set of the array, found the, the three fields I wanted, pushed them to the top of the list, and then deleted everything under under it until the next array. Works perfectly. I run it like, I end up running it like 200 or 300 times. I was actually surprised how many times I had to run it. And it went through the whole list and did everything. And it got me thinking, it's like, my God, what would I have done if I didn't know Vim at that time? And I thought, <laughs> let me ask, let me ask Tom, like, how would you have handled that, Tom, if if obviously not being able to create those macros and stuff? Before he before he does that, how did you run it two hundred times? I just said two hundred at A was the was what I assigned to the macro. So I said <laughs> okay. two hundred at A and it just just ran. Uh, okay. Good. <laughs> it, it was funny because my 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 wife was sitting with me at the time, and I run it, and I, I'm doing something, and she looks over at my screen. And she goes, "Are you coding?" And I turned at her and I started typing, like acting like I was typing on my keyboard, like the uh, hackers on TV. I'm like, "Yeah, man, I'm Tom coding." And you know, my screen is just like flashing all this code and making all these changes. She she just looked at me. And she was, "You are such an idiot." <laughs> I, I asked so, that because I've done it in the past where I've recorded my macro on A to do it one time. Mm-hmm. And then I would record macro B to do A five or ten times. And then I'd run that a bunch mm-hmm. so that – because you always get to that end spot where there's only five left, but your macro is doing it ten times. Ten times. And then you're like – so I always – that's how I, I get around it. So I run B a bunch of times – and then run A, the last few that I need. Yeah, so my 200 took me over a couple. Because the way it was written, it actually didn't matter because I was searching for the the lines I wanted. Like each line, the one line was abbreviation. So I was doing a search for ABBR. I was uh, doing a visual select of that whole line, copy. I jumped to the top bracket and pasted underneath. Then I looked for the name did the same thing. So the fact that, that, that it looped back around didn't matter. It just, because it, it just ran through it and everything was fine, you know, but really I, cool. I did, I did loop over it. Like, ten, like, I think it was like five or 10 times. Cause I saw it come back around. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. It's fine. No worries. <laughs> but I know exactly what you're talking about. So, so Tom, how would you have done that? Like without them, like if, how would you have gone through that data set and cleared out all the, all the components you didn't need and keep the ones that you did. Pretty simple. Okay. I, I would uh, write a short PHP script that just ran it and parsed it and then output yeah. the text and paste the text. Yeah. yeah. Or, that, 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 or I'd have a macro in my IDE. So you can build macros in your IDE? Yeah. I, I don't know. That's why I was asking. I mean, for usually, me, it, it was, it, it was usually, no big deal. Usually the format of it is enough that I can parse it with a find and replace a regular expression of find and replace. So I'll to a point, not not with what the way he described it, you don't exactly know what you're finding, right? So with 
with, with the power of them being able to just through keystrokes move things around, copy paste. I can see how you would do that. You either just copy and then paste the three lines and then delete the ones that were duplicate or just mm-hmm. delete anyway. Um, so a find and replace would be much harder to do, but writing a script to take your JSON and just pull out what you need is just as easy. It's just, is it just as easy though? Cause the, doing the cute, doing the, uh, yeah. them thing literally took me like, but yeah, I shouldn't say just a minute. I shouldn't say just as easy. Cause I would. When you know Vim, Vim is going to be easier, but parsing JSON and but, rewriting mean, an array is easy. But I know PHP, and I just pull up our design. I, I do this with Tinker all the time. I don't even create a new file and execute it. I just run Tinker and do it in Tinker because Tinker lets me debug it as I write it. So I could just like write it one line at a time and execute it, and Tinker comes back and says, hey, you got this part right, but this part's obviously wrong, or this is the wrong read format for your CSV file, or... Uh, you didn't get the path correct. Like it, it outputs instantly what you got wrong. So, so I Tinker, just I just bash it in Tinker. Tinker bootstraps a full Laravel stack, right? Versus yeah, because mm-hmm. you could do the same thing with basically with PHP dash A. Yeah, I mean, Tinker, I, I mean Tinker's got the full I stack. So I, if I wanted to, I could uh, dump it into a collection and then each the collection and then have it do what I wanted the Laravel way, which is so. So you're writing a little script so you could you could keep co- you're writing code so you can keep coding. That's that's yeah. sweet. I mean, that's but is not what you're doing in Vim. Is you're writing code? To- no, no. I I'm 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 doing my keystrokes. I'm just recording them, and then I tell Vim, okay, run those keystrokes another ten times or another twenty times or whatever. Yeah, I'm kind of doing the same thing in PHP. Not even close to the same thing in PHP. Not 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 even remotely. But I appreciate your effort in, in trying <laughs> to make it sound that way. It's uh, that my my fallback when i was thinking through it was i guess i could have just kept it in the json format and then you know parsed it that way with another script but that seems clunky as hell and who the hell would do that that would just be a pain in the ass and it turns out people who don't use vim do it (laughs) (laughs) makes perfect sense apparently for for the non-vim world so okay good to know (laughs) so so ultimately sushi did what you wanted to do Yes. Yeah. Sushi, yeah. Sushi did make it super super easy. Um, the only problem I had, I discovered even with the debugging uh, was that um, well more with debugging testing, not so much with the sushi part. It, uh, it factored in a little bit, but not not too much. This this very com- you you saw the form I was working with, uh, John. Mm-hmm. All that data it, it, it's this it's this complex payment form basically where where. Uh, clients are putting in, you know, their 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 tax IDs or their social security numbers and their bank information and this and that and the other thing. And the client wanted all that to be encrypted at rest. Uh, th- this actually, I meant to talk about this last week. Was uh, I was really proud of myself because I, I had created this trait because Laravel had this new uh, encrypted um, function that you could use, and I had created this trait that I then used in my model. And it encrypted everything, you know, all, all the fields that I wanted. And then somebody in our Discord, our lovely, lovely PHP Ugly Discord, discord.phpugly.com, if you're not in there. Somebody in there, or in a Discord is like, uh, yeah, you know, you can just like cast it to encrypted now, right? I'm like, what? I mean, obviously a wonderful idea. So yeah, I, I had to pull my, I had to pull my little trait out 
but uh but yeah i just casted everything to uh encrypted so all these fields are encrypted now and when i was doing my testing so i don't know if you noticed in the testing but even when i was doing my debugging when i was doing my testing i had a section uh where i forget exactly where it was where all i needed to all we were trying to do was make sure that the record that entered was entered in the database matched a given. And instead of just calling that like first name, you know, with the match, I actually do it above. Uh, you know, I, I basically call the model. I call, call a record for that model. And then I say, okay, now give me the first name because that's the only way I could, that's the, that's the way Laravel will decrypt, decrypt it for the application. You know, you, you have to kind of put it in a collection first and then call it from that collection. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of a pain in the ass. Like I can't, I can't even, um, was, was I trying to search? Oh yeah. Like I was trying to search the, the, I was trying to write a search for the table, but like whatever I'm searching for, you have to encrypt and it has to be like the entire phrase because you know, encryption. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just like, Oh my God, this is a pain in the ass. Which, of course, it's security. It's meant to be a pain in the ass. So, so, you, yeah. so you needed to be able to search on your encrypted fields? Uh, yeah, I, 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 was, I was going to have that feature, but I decided not to worry. It, it wasn't something that, that the client requested, so I, I decided not to worry about it. Yeah, because it's normally done not on, the, not on the ciphertext. I think it's done on a hash. So you, you would need to store something oh. to search separately. I was under the impression it wasn't done because that completely breaks the idea of encryption. To a point, there are times where you need to be able to search for things. In that mm-hmm. case, I would I would tag things and search tags. I would never search an encrypted value. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm not. How does, how does so, the tags help? I mean, you decide it what... It, yeah, because every way you make it more accessible, you make encryption weaker. So No, I, I completely agree, but there are times where... Hey, Tom, I need to be able to find you in my super secure system. What's your social security number? You know, I'm I'm going to have it encrypted, but I need to be able to pull you up based on some identifier. So there yeah. there are times where you well, need yeah, to. Well, yeah, then that would be a hack. I the, yeah. the the example if you remember when you were helping me with the testing, I, I mentioned, oh, I decided not to encrypt the company name because that's not really like private data anyways. That would be that would have been like one of those examples of, that that was actually what I was thinking about searching was was that so they would be able to search for a company that they're paying out to so I just decided not to encrypt that that one column and that was the cool thing about it it's like just the columns were encrypted like that whole you know the the UUID or the UUIDs the, the IDs uh, the booleans that I had in there I didn't have to worry about adding that as overhead to the database by encrypt by See, all that being encrypted. I wonder what the, I mean, I know what encrypted at rest, it means, so don't flame me over the the question, but I wonder (laughs) what the technical definition of encrypted at rest is in the sense that MySQL offers encryption at rest. I know AWS has that, but the data itself isn't necessarily encrypted. So if you have access to the database, you have access to the data. So this is not true with Laravel. So that that's the interesting one of the interesting parts about this. If you have access to the database, you need access to the server that created that data specifically in that app key. So it, so if you ever if you if you were to change your app key in Laravel, you lose all that data, which 
seems terrifying to me, but I guess it's just like one of those risks you take with with this sort of arch- architecture. Well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So that's you're encrypting the data before getting to the database versus the database doing mm-hmm. encryption at rest. So there's various levels of en- encryption at rest, right? You have your mm-hmm. on disk it's encrypted at rest. I don't know what MySQL or AWS RDS offers as far as encryption at rest, but I'm assuming as long as you have access to that server, you get, you have access to the data. And mm-hmm. then there's the whole encrypting it, decrypting it before you put it into the database. So it's encrypted at rest, but it's just various degrees of it. So, so yeah, that, that was actually one of the things the, the client wanted it so that um, this is not to imply this is what you were talking about. I, I understood what you were talking about, but the client wanted it so that they can't read the data and anybody who has access to the database, like other developers uh, specifically, cannot read the data. They would have to know what the production uh, API key is for for the server, which they have a division of responsibilities. So like they're, they're in general, their developers don't have that sort of access. So I thought that was, I, I, I was happy to see that. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize it was that easy to use this. We need to implement this more. And I'm looking forward to, to doing this. Especially because it's not, you're, you're not having to encrypt the data yourself. It's part right. of the. It's part of Laravel, and you tell it which fields to encrypt and which ones not to. It, it, it's just a cast in your model. You do. You do. A, you do a model cast, and you say uh, bank account. You cast it to encrypt it. Um, you know, it's that. That's all you do. And even when you do Tinker, you're in Tinker, and you pull up data. That, like I said, that initial collection, everything's encrypted. It doesn't. It doesn't decrypt it until you ask for that specific field. So you do, you know, bank account arrow account number sort of thing, and then it would actually show you what that account number is. So mm-hmm. yeah, it works really well. I don't know. Like I said, I, I ran into a couple of hiccups debugging. I ran into a couple of hiccups when I was trying to write tests, but but it, it was they weren't roadblocks. It was just a matter of, oh yeah, that's right. This this data is encrypted. I have to take an extra step or two to get it to a, a point where I can actually test against it and see what was actually in there. Well, it sounds like you have a way to then have a test to show that it is encrypted as well. Hey, yeah, that's brilliant. Man. <laughs> I guess I need to add that to my, uh, to my test suite. Yeah, you're right. Make sure, make sure those fields are encrypted. Yeah. Yeah. As if it- yeah, because if you're able to pull the record and it doesn't decrypt it until you do something specific, you should be able to check that. Hey, if anybody in Discord knows, is there a is encrypted in your test suite with Laravel? Because that would be awesome. Uh, I'm going to look that up while you guys carry the show. I actually believe I have that. Is encrypted would be perfect, actually. What, I believe what, I have what is, do you think? You have what? I believe I have is encrypted. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you going to share the link or anything? Or? I have to look. Hold on. Oh, oh I, thought you, I thought you were saying you had it as you had it up. Oh, sorry. No, I think I, ha- I, think I have it in my test suites. No, I'm doing a quick Google search for it. I'm not finding anything specifically. So with all, with all of your testing lately, Eric, are you... A convert? Are you getting to continue doing it, or is it still? 
I'm getting there. I, I mean, I got to be honest. I, I struggled a little bit with uh, the hours I charged the client for all those tests I wrote because it was like, God, you know, like it took me as long to write these tests as it as it did to write like a, a page or two of the logic. But again, especially in this situation with the complexity of the form and stuff, if they ever break that, they need a way to, t- they need, need a way to test it, right? They need to understand the different conditions and all that. So I, I'm getting there. I need to get more efficient uh, at it. And, you know, obviously you were helping me with the, with the providers and all that. I think that that's one of the things where like my mental thought, process broke down with testing it's like okay there's a lot of things i want to test like i don't want to just test this one thing and you've you've kind of helped me with uh with that it's a great thing especially if you know the business logic not necessarily in code terms but in business terms where they're like i want you know in this when given these sets of circumstances here's what should happen and you Mm -hmm. have that perfect thing are they a citizen? Are they a, an individual? Are they a business? You know, you, you mm-hmm. have all of these layers. Are they choosing bank account or credit card? And based on when you're given all of this, what happens? Mm-hmm. And being able to show that. And sometimes it helps you ask better questions to the client. Well, what happens in these circumstances? Mm-hmm. And then you have tests that prove that based on what they gave you, you're doing the right thing. Now, there's going to be cases in between there that they may not have spelled out for you that you also missed during testing, but hopefully not. Hopefully you can figure out what those edge cases are and get around those. And you actually helped me identify one of them with the testing, which was what if data is submitted for one of the conditions that it shouldn't be submitted with? And does does the, the Laravel validation, I, I was sp- specifically using, uh, I forget what it, what it's called. It's if, uh, Ex- there's a except, validation. Except if. Yeah, except if, where you can say, you know, validate this field, except if it meets a condition, like another field is set to something else. So I, I had set this, uh, very, this pretty complex validation schema up for this pretty complex form and you know we're when we're going through the testing john's like hey uh well what if somebody submits data for a condition that 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 condition shouldn't have that data i'm like well i just assume i at the time i just assumed that uh livewire or laravel or more specifically livewire i guess would not pass any data that wasn't being validated because in livewire world uh when you're when you're working with uh, data that's been submitted, LiveWire insists that that data be validated. It, otherwise, it won't pass it through. So it'll say, hey, you've tried passing data to me that you didn't try to validate, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not accepting this. So I, I was hoping that with that except if, LiveWire would have said, okay, this data was passed to me, but because of this condition, I'm not going to validate it, so I'm going to disregard it. That turned out not to be the case, and mm. that data was getting through. Now, for this particular use case, it's not a big deal. It doesn't doesn't actually matter. Uh, but it if doesn't it had... except except it causes data inconsistency in your database. So, what right. I, I just want to reset the stage mm. when we were talking about Livewire, you were so excited about when you 
when you change these radio buttons, the, all the fields changed. And you went on further to say, not only did they, it's not that they're just hiding them, they're gone. They don't even get submitted, which made me think, well, what happens if, if I write a post using Postman or just a direct curl call or whatever, I post the data to your server that Livewire had just taken off the page. Because yes, Livewire itself isn't going to submit it, but it doesn't stop me from submitting whatever the hell I want to submit to your form. So that's what you're testing. And now you're saying that the form, Laravel, has nothing to do with Livewire at this point. Laravel accepts that data and doesn't validate it. Doesn't validate it at all anymore, right? Because you have an accept if. Uh, that yeah, that's a good question. I, I I don't know. And now that you say that, now that you say that piece, I don't know if it does. I I should test that because so it's, that 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 is. I mean, that seems like a flaw. That seems like a flaw in that workflow. If it doesn't still validate it, <clears throat> yeah, I, I've never seen the accept if. So I'm wondering if there's a way to say in these situations I want to null it or empty string or whatever the case is, like. That seems, that seems like that would be a better, yeah. So that that's where I was going. Like, if if I was concerned about it, that's all all I would have to do is I would basically have to write that same logic in my code of you know the, the where I did the accept if to so say hey if this condition is meant and these fields are are basically unset these fields I, I'm not even going to look to see if they're set or not just null out the these fields is what I was the was the route I was going to go down. But you bring up an interesting point of, no, that's a basic flaw to that exception in the validation field now. Because if you're if you have that exception in there, but that field's still being passed, that that data shouldn't should not be going through to your application. Um yeah. I would need to I want to see more of what the except if original what the original intention was because in your use case I don't want the date at all, but there's got to be other reasons that it was added in there where like, it's got to be less than a hundred dollars, except in this scenario, you know, there's, yeah, I yeah, would yeah, assume something like that. Mm. Yeah. It really does uh, set off some alarm bells. You know, what else sets off alarm bells. What Tom? Honey Badger transforms you into a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime and cron monitoring into a single easy to use platform. Stop wasting your time tailing logs and deploy with swagger. Visit honeybadger.io today to level up. Thank you, Thanks, honey, badger. Thanks, honey Badger. Honey this Badger, is... the official sponsor of PHP Ugly. This is all I'm here for now, is just that the segues into ads and tinkering with the video feed the entire time. <laughs> you, you found your lot in life. It's yes. not a lot, but it's your life. I'm looking for that. Ex- oh, here it is. Exclude, not accept. Exclude if. Exclude if and exclude unless are, are the uh, are the things we're talking about. Um, let me yeah, and I always I always have those in my requests, my request objects. What the that validation? Yeah, all that validation should be in your request object. But even still, the the there's still confusion around the exclude if and exclude unless. Is it ex- it's excluding validation? So. The data still gets in there, in which case you're not doing any real validation on. Well, when I use my validator, I only I only act on the validated fields that are returned by it. So, well, are, aren't you just? But you can you can still. I don't know how you're doing it, Tom, but a, a typical developer would just act on like the request. Like you you validate everything in the request, and then if if that validation passed, then later down the road down the line, you're saying okay. 
uh, give me that request back and pull, you know, give me, you know, sometimes you're just doing a create off the request, right? So I don't know. I, right, right, but I use uh, the I use the validated method on the request object, which will only return the fields that matched your validation. So you can have this rules. Is, this is what we're talking about, right, though. So you, that's, can have, that's, you can have rules such as sometimes or sometimes if. Oh, and I, I think those, I see what he's saying here. When you're doing your validation, those won't necessarily throw an error, but they will trim the field out. Or... Well, no, sometimes sometimes it's different, though. Sometimes it's saying, if this field's here, validate it. If it's not, don't. Exclude right, but, if. Right, ahead, but what he's, say, what he's saying is, when, when you go to create your, your record, are you passing in the request data or are you passing in the request validated data? I think that's the difference. But since you're not validating, since you're saying ex- exclude if, that means I don't want to validate it. So it won't be part of your validated collection that comes back. Right. That's and what, that's what that's you should be theory. passing. I don't think that's correct, though. That's This is what I, I, I one of the things I thought I t- had tested. So, Damn it. So, why am I going to be gone for a week? So you have homework. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll work on it. I have homework, too, because your video it. feed, if you don't know, if you're watching the video feed and you don't know this, every time there's a small <laughs> glitch on Eric's feed, I have to press a button to fix it because <laughs> I, I'm using uh, this is his punishment for for hitting the mute button one too many times last <laughs> yes. week now he has to hit if he wasn't hit a button he's got another button he can hit now <laughs> jesus hey hey we're late we, we, we we've been rambling i got a list of shit to talk about tom said he had a full show of php stuff well i've got and one we thing still first. have unboxing to get to we have an unboxing to get to don't make me wait okay make me wait tom uh one of the reasons we're using all new software is because skype sucks but we've also been using zencaster for a while to capture our audio because capturing locally with something like audacity was causing our videos to be out of sync and causing just editing issues editing headaches um zencaster had the same problem for a while, but appears to have completely fixed it. We love it now. It always seems to work. Uh, we don't have to worry about it. Not a sponsor. But now I'm glad that we got away from Audacity, because Audacity is officially spyware. I, I, oh, saw, I saw this saw somewhere. This. Yeah. Audacity, yeah. which is open source, free software, got purchased by somebody. And in the 3.0 version, they're just now scraping telemetric data and have said they plan to use it in marketing and making money and that kind of thing. So very upsetting. What's even more upsetting is I still use audacity to do the editing of the podcast. So I'm going to need to find something else. I think I'm sure the open source community will, will rally and come up with something. And what a, what a perfect name for a product that dares do this to its customers. The audacity, the the goddamn audacity. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you can just stay on Audacity 2.x, Eric, and you'll, you'll be good. I'm guessing someone's <laughs> going to fork this because no one's going to work on I'm an sure. open source project that's trying to monetize people like this. Um, yeah. There's reports that the, the information is definitely enough to identify which user created <laughs> a recording. So, like, you know, weirdly dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's okay if they attach it to an NFT. And then, and then it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you make money off it. While, while John is getting his unboxing ready, uh, Tom, why don't you throw up our, our Patreons, our, our Patreon subscribers? Our because if you're not aware, 
I do do show notes. I actually have a little script that does show notes, by the way, which which works out pretty well for me. Uh, it's done a pretty good, pretty solid job for me. But all of our Patreon supporters now are on, are in our show notes. So every every week, uh, I go back to the YouTube that we created, and I go and um, obviously with Simplecast. Uh, I add the I add these show notes, which are just the links you see that show up in Discord, and and some blurb about what we talked about. And now our our sponsors are in there; they've been in there for a while. And now a list of all the people who are patrons on Patreon. All right, John, what are you opening though? I have no clue. Okay, I do know some of it. So we uh... <laughs> please don't stab yourself in the chest live on stream. I would. Uh... Really appreciate it. Do you not have a box color, you animal? Jesus. Why would I have a box right. color in my office? So first we have a lot of poppy stuff. My kids is, my kids are gonna love that. <laughs> that is how a- many yeah, stickers? Baby. How they're many stickers st- did you order? They're not stickers. It's That's tape. It's tape. It's PHP ugly tape. For shipping <laughs> stuff? You- why did you get PHP Ugly Tape? Why wouldn't you get PHP Ugly Tape? I got it because it's Ugly Tape, man. Hey, look. Hot sauce for you. Hey, cool. I get some of the hot sauce. Awesome. I forget. I ordered something else. Oh, that's right. Special PHP Ugly envelopes to mail our Patreon rewards to. That is Wait. actually going to be coming very handy here. So not this week, not next week, but the following week, I'll get all that out. Cool. Oh yeah, you're going out. Of, of course, you're going out a week. Um, I want to. Wait, was there supposed to be more? Yeah, there were supposed to be the new oh, Ugo the, stickers. Nope, oh, oh, there. there they are. There they are. Uh, what? They, they, what is? What is that? Oh what were you just holding up? I, I'm getting there. I don't know. What? What? Okay. Are, so, what so there's oh, so there's just a lot of a lot of envelopes. New oh, PHP Ugo stickers. Yeah, that turned out okay. I'm all right with that. All right. And what else you got? Did you get something else? That is great. So that's the packing tape. I don't know what this hmm. is. I don't think I ordered anything else. Well, you what you must have uh, a whole lot more stickers. <laughs> oh, yeah, more PHP Ugo stickers. Oh, th- those are those are the new logo stickers that we don't have those. So the so I had ordered the old PHP Ugly stickers that have the elephant on it, and I ordered new ones that have oh. the die cut. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, Some... baby. So there's the die cut one and there's the circle one, but if you look at the circle one, they, they're they kind of jacked up, and I, they, it wouldn't let me pull it, pull the order out, so I just went ahead and kept it. What are you... Oh, yeah, it's off-center a little bit. Because Tom is talking about his stupid microwave, and it, it like put that <laughs> pulled that into the... <laughs> so I, I went with that. I'm like that in years. Okay. Shit. I I uh I should have made a die cut, and so I went back and added some die cuts to it. Turned out really well. So that does look good. Cool. Although it does man. look like I just realized it, it looks like a a dog paw print. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now that's all I see. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. I'll get this stuff in the mail in about six months. Wow! See, I told you. Over promise, over promise, under deliver. (laughs) 
So you like the you like the envelopes? It's funny because yeah. you and I, you and I got that book in the mail, and I don't know if uh-huh. you noticed, but uh, he had his logo on it on the tape. Yeah, uh, or at least on mine, he had his logo on the tape that he had closed. I'm like, damn that. You know, I had already ordered ours. I'm like, damn, that looks better than I thought it would. I, I'm glad I ordered that stuff now. <laughs> although you tell him, if you bark, if I'm shipping out in in these whoops, now my dog's gonna rip that up. In these little mm-hmm. envelopes, I don't need the tape. Oh, it, oh, do they have a little sticky, the sticky yeah. top? Oh, oh, well, you still put some tape on there. You just like. <laughs> Ta- ta- tape, tape all the tape. stickers. Tape all the stickers together. <laughs> like let them uh, dig them out. <laughs> there's there's going to be some criminal investigation where they're just baffled at why someone would have custom printed tape to gag somebody. <laughs> it's because their microwave is filming them. <laughs> we believe the microwave references code for something. <laughs> all right, now my desk is a mess again. Eric, I Darling Data has posted a. Uh, it looks like a fork of Audacity called. Uh, what's that? Tina? Tenacity. 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 Ten- oh, tenacity. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes much more sense. I would have called that it uh, polite politeness or temer- to to I don't know. I give up. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Tom? You have you have no sequel experience. Yeah, actually, that that's one of the items I would like to talk about, but I will let you finish first. So I was going over something with my boss the other day where we're generating these reports, uh, taking a lot of data and boiling it down into, you know, something manageable. And I, I thought, well, instead of adding a column for all of these values that we're going to be producing, why not generate report JSONs that are mm-hmm. stored in a NoSQL database? That's actually a very common practice. Yep. Yeah. He said, why not uh, use the JSON column in MySQL and just create a table for it? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a route you can, you're, you're more than welcome to take. So keep in mind, I, don't, I still haven't used it this way, but MySQL 8, what I, the, so the, the JSON column type was introduced before MySQL 8. But MySQL 8, which obviously still has it, doubles as a document store as well. Now, I still don't have experience using MySQL 8 as a document store, but that is one of its features. It's leaning into this this no, you know, uh, no structure data set uh, approach that people are taking. Right. So, yeah, I mean, again, reasonable, especially if you have like UUIDs, that's where it's like, have. okay, this report is is related to you know this product or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. So, so yeah, that's that's an approach. Yeah, you didn't like that, was, Tom. I take it. Well, I just, I mean, what? Why wouldn't you want to use MySQL? Why would you want to use Couch or Mongo or Dynamo? Oh, great! Glad you asked. So, we actually one of the exciting things we have now officially, and D- well, Diego Dev created it architected it and managed it but belongs to one of our clients we have a couch db cluster out there now for a project we've been working on now we've been we've been slowly introducing couch um for a long time to this client and we finally got this this project this uh, application where it just really made a, a lot of sense so so to answer your question th- there's a lot of answers to that question uh the reason we went couch for this particular product project. Uh, so couch ha- has this ability or, or, or I'm sorry. 
NoSQL data stores have this ability, right? Where they their real strength, the, the place they really shine is uh, synchronizing data. And there's this concept called uh, eventual consistency, which sounds very counterintuitive. It's like, what do you mean eventual consistency? I don't want eventual. I want consistency. The idea being, and one of the ways we're using it is um, the the main application is a mobile application, and it it runs on a phone for these. Uh, it's it's for parking enforcement. Uh, you know, we've talked about sure. this in the past. And the people, the clients using it will have these intermittent periods where they're like underground in a garage or in a building where they don't have internet access. So with this architecture, the application actually synchronizes the a filtered down version of the entire database for that, not only that client, but that particular user. So so John, as a user doing parking enforcement, has access to certain data. And we can write filters that will synchronize all that data to him. Not on, you know, when he's online and when he's not on, uh, online. So as he's walking around, he's getting updates as long as, he, as long as he has connectivity. The moment he doesn't have connectivity, the application continues to work. It has a, in the mobile world, it's called a pouch DB. I think is what it is, pouch DB. And this is specifically because we've gone the route of couch. There's a reason we, we went with that. I'll we I talked about it before in the show. I'll I'll circle back around on it. So he now, even though he's completely offline, he has a working database which was current the moment he went off, offline. So he he can add things and and you know remove things and all that. The moment he gets back online, it all synchronizes back up. And it, this is this is flawless. It, it just works beautifully. Wait, now, not not flawless, but. It, don't, it don't, works step, don't, don't step on my thing. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> it does work. Now that's not to say there aren't ever conflicts. There is conflict re- re- resolution, but, but couch specifically does a really good job at handling most of it. We, we actually haven't run into synchronization conflicts yet, but there are edge cases where it could be possible that could happen. Um, so I'm, so not, for I'm the, not trying for the, to say. Yeah, for the most part, if I am writing to my own database on my phone and it's synchronizing back to the central server, you're not going to have those types of issues. It's mm-hmm. going to be more of an issue of if I'm online on two separate phones and I update or change the same record on both phones offline, once they come online and they try to merge back, there could be merge conflicts. Yes, the, the the bigger example that that gets you used a lot is if you're to, if you're continuing to use the device offline for like six months, like for whatever reason you didn't realize that it wasn't connected to the internet, or you'd put the phone, so you you always put the phone in the basement, and the next guy picks it up, and it never gets connectivity. There are these there's these there are these edge cases where. Oh, it's been used for, it hasn't been online for such an extended amount of time. And so much data has changed, including records of what they've changed on their phone. Yeah, there could be some conflicts. But yeah, your your use case is another example. And the, the thing that are, are people who were implementing it, um, 
they didn't have a lot of experience. Like I have some experience with it. One of the de- the other developers who was working on the project has a lot of experience with it. And then we were bringing up the speed, some other developers who were coding for it and who were uh, doing the um, operations for it. And he, they were even, once they got it implemented, like, I can't stress to you enough how quickly, like, in the entire database will replicate. Yeah, that that is it. That is a compelling use case. You were talking about the the sort of eventual consistency, the synchronization, and I do like that a lot. Um, yeah. So, so even even our even the developers working on it who didn't have experience uh, were blown away with, like, the entire database. It, it's doing this clustering thing, and when it spins up a new database, it syn- it synchronizes itself and. It, the synchronization process happens so quickly; it's insane. But the other thing about CouchDB specifically, this this isn't true with Mongo or any of the others. Uh, as far and as the reason know. the reason why we went this route is that there are no drivers for it. The entire CouchDB protocol is over HTTP, right? HTTPS, right? So, so any device, any device that knows how to talk to HTTPS can consume data from a couch source. So how do you secure that? Think about it. It blows your mind. How do you secure that through Laravel? Uh, I don't, I don't understand the question. What do you mean? How do you secure it? If you've got, you you only want a user to access their pertinent records Mm -hmm. and they're, they they have a Laravel account with your, Mm -hmm. you know, core infrastructure. How do they, if they're connecting straight through HTTP to the couch TV server, how do you authenticate them? Well, they, they, they don't ever, they don't connect to the CouchDB server. I mean, they're still connecting. Maybe I'm not following your question. Oh, I thought they, they were connecting to the server. Well, so, so the, the, I, so I think you're talking about the device scenario, right? Where they have, they have a subset of the data. Right. So it, 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 it works off, it works off permissions the same, same way. They, they only see the data they have permission to, uh, permission for. But so that, there, there's does a whole that tie in with the Laravel system or? Well, again, it's not specific to Laravel. It's all over HTTPS. So yeah, you have to you have to explain to Laravel, hey, this user, this is you know, this is we need to get their permissions and all that. So there there is a process involved. There are no drivers, I guess. Maybe that's where you're going. There's no there's no Laravel driver. I think a couple of people have written drivers to make that was more to make interacting with Couch more like an eloquent model, which if you recall, that was one of the things I was using sushi for as well, which right. was pretty cool. But he was more, yeah, it was more of how do you, how do you enforce authentication? How do you make sure that you're only syncing down the proper subset of data and not everybody's data? It, yeah. It's, it's the same concept as you, as you would with any database, right? You just, it's just permission management. Now couch, you, you're, since you're not, not, not like you're not pulling a user uh, record from um, the database. I mean, technically you could really, but, uh, but you don't have to basically you know, the, the way we're handling a lot of it is through like the, 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 the implementation of filters and views and stuff. There's, there's these other concept of how, what data is viewable in, in what makes that data viewable to people. So there's a lot of concepts to get into. I know we're running along, but we're not um, running that long. We just had a, we had a slow <laughs> start and a, 
20 yeah. minute break in the middle. <laughs> and again, that that's all, that's all couch spe- specific, but the idea of, uh, of document stores in general, which is something I think you're leaning more towards uh, your initial question, Tom, I'm glad I was able to give you some use cases for it, but it's that concept of a, a document. It's just a document. So, so say you have a client, right? And, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff off the cuff, right? But you're, you're, you're keeping records of your client and each client doesn't necessarily have all the same data. You know, maybe these guys have social media accounts. Maybe these guys have, you know, uh, government security accounts and, and the type of data that that's related to those individual clients are not normalized, but you still need it. You still want it. That's where document stores get come into really really shine because because the document has no structure it's weird to think about that as developers who who have worked with relational databases for 10 20 30 years it's weird to think about data that doesn't have structure but if you think about data and i always use the the analogy of a filing cabinet filled with records right those records don't have the same amount of information they don't have the same fields on them but they're all records of important data that you need to have. That's what document stores are. So you have this client over here that has, you know, information related to their government clearance. You have this client over here who has information about their Instagram and Twitter account. And it's like, if you were to create columns for all this, it would be a pain in the ass. And yeah, you can create what we do. One of the patterns we use a lot still with MySQL is we have these JSON meta columns which is basically, hey, here's all the standardized data we need for the company, and here's this meta field of whatever else that company might need to, need to make. Well, document stores are that to, to an extreme. This challenge you have as a developer in the mindset you have to get into is then now a lot of the normalization and security of that data now falls on the shoulder of the developer and not some database administrator. So validating data and making sure it's the correct data type and um, all that stuff really falls into the code now that you have to make sure, hey, if I'm inserting a a price, you know, I as the as the developer, I need to make sure that price is an integer or whatever. Because you got to remember, it doesn't have to be. It could just be the symbol dollar sign 9.00 and it could just be a string and that could that's valid data in the document store but from a developer's perspective you want that to be the integer of 900 because you break everything down to cents and that's how you work within your application that responsibility now falls on you as a developer there's no there's no data integrity enforcement that can be coded into the or that, that can be part of the database so these these are different paradigms in development that you have to keep in mind. But the but the trade-offs, I mean, you know, the benefits you get of I don't need to worry about what my what my database needs to look like five years down the line. I don't need to make sure that I have all the fields that I need, you know, two, three years from now. I have a document store that stores all this information. I break that information up differently. So instead of having 10 tables, you know, a uh, company name, a phone number table, because companies can have like five phone numbers associated to them. I have a social media table. I have, 
instead of having all these tables, you have one document now, or you can have multiple documents. It's, it, it, there's there are no rules, but you can have one document, and all that information is in that document. So you, as a developer, you know, hey, if I need this information, I get this document, and I have all that information. The other really cool thing about document stores, CouchDB being one of them, is that it tracks changes. So it's Couch does event sourcing. So as these documents are changing, there is an event store that's saying, hey, this, this document's on version 10.4. What version right. do you have? Well, I have version 9. Well, okay, I've got two versions past that that I can give you. Here's what changed. It's not going to just give you the document. It's going to say, okay, this field was changed, and this is, this is what changed it, and da-da-da. So there's a lot, a lot to document stores. Um, I'm not saying they're the answer to everything, and that that's one of the arguments. Yeah, our, we, our, our developer would say that. Yeah, that's one of the arguments our develop, me and the developer has. I sit there and say, give me a use case of where a document store makes sense, and he'll say, Give me a use case where a document store doesn't make sense. <laughs> and we just, we just go back and forth like that. Tom, where did you end up with, you were trying to use it for reporting. Did, did it get shot down or you said they, they wanted you to use a JSON column? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to, so you brought up the event sourcing <laughs> thing and like that immediately got me on a browser looking at it. Um, so we ended up saying we don't need a doc, a full document store right now, but I believe that storing the data as a JSON document in MySQL gives us the flexibility of moving to a document store in the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and Laravel has some nice casting functionality for JSON columns in in tables, so it sort of it lets us program as if the document store was there. Um, but for now, I think we're going to just do it in MySQL. Now we're on five eight, so we don't have access to all the fancy JSON functionality that MySQL offers. Right. But you yeah, have the it, JSON it, column type. Right, which I guess is just a blob. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's just... But, well, it's not It's not just a blob, but yeah. Yeah, basically it is. Yeah. We we actually use... um For for the show here, we use CouchDB... Well, I'm sorry. For Diego Dev, for our our website, uh, we use CouchDB. It goes out... We have, we have a table for... The PHP Ugly um, podcast, we have a, not a table, we have a database for the PHP Ugly uh, podcast, a database for the PHP podcast for PHP Architect, uh, a data uh, database for our blog posts. We, we have all these sources of information that we pull up, we pull in, and again, because it's not, instru- it's not a structure issue, I just put it all in a couch database, and then on the Diego Dev website, I go to that couch database and say, okay, give me the la- latest uh, PHP Ugly show, give me the latest PHP podcast show, give, give me the latest blog post, and then give me three random other blog, blog posts from our blog. And I get to go to one, one place, I get to address the data, the, the data stores there and get that information. Now I'm not writing anything back. It's just a nice, nice central location for me to consume multiple feeds instead of going to three or four different places, trying to figure out the, their structure. I just pull in the, uh, Database types, I, I put it in a JSON format in my database and, and go at it. It's fun stuff, man. It's really fun once you get once you get involved with it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look at uh, if the AWS version DynamoDB supports this stuff. So DynamoDB, I think DynamoDB is a key value store. Um, so it, it's it is the same concept of a document store, but I think it's just I think just all a key you do value in, store. Yeah. 
I think that's what the DynamoDB is. I, I lose track of what all the freaking Amazon. Uh, yeah, it looks like they want you to use Hadoop to do map reduce. Yeah, so it's just a just a store. Yeah, yeah. So so when you say document store, it's actually a a a very broad term. But you know, and everybody has like their their different hook. Like uh, Mongo, I think is the only document store that's ACID compliant, which is typically something reserved for relational databases. Uh, and again, Mongo, you will t- you will typically see a lot of um, drivers for. Like, I think there's a Laravel driver for it, and uh, 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 a few others. Uh, what's the other one out there? There's another one out there that's really popular, but Couch has just worked for us really well. It just kind of really hits a sweet spot for simplicity and management. There's a Couch, Mongo, um, Hadoop. I think Hadoop is more, like you said, map reduce though. Yeah, Redis is a key value store. Yeah, Redis is a key value store. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool stuff. It it took me a long time to get my head around. Like, it was one of those things like I felt like it was a good solution, but I couldn't work out in my head where it made sense. And now, it it's become a lot easier and. As we get more developers on board, like the, the 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 person who who took over the development for this from the Laravel side, I mean, he just laid into it and really got his head around it. He he went from zero to I, probably not a hundred, but he went from zero to like ninety eight uh, within like a week. And he went from I'm not sure about this, I'm not really sure if I'm doing it right to this is really cool there are a lot of other places we can be using this. So. Uh, all right. We need, we probably need to wrap up, but let's touch. I did want to touch on uh, a blog post came out about what's new in Laravel 8.1. PHP Have you 8.1. guys, what did I say? I said Laravel. Yeah, you're right. Jeez. I got Laravel on the head. <laughs> Laravel nine was, uh, was announced that they're coming. They're going to, they're going to not release it to January. So that's kind of cool, but, Okay, uh, no, PHP 8.1 is coming out. There's a blog post out there. It should be showing up here in Discord momentarily. If you're not in our Discord, you should think about joining. We sit there all week. People listening to the show, they'll be in there. We, we chat all week long. They give us ideas. They ask questions. They just have general great conversations. They tell me what an idiot I am with development and how I went way out of my way creating traits where it's just a simple cast now. It, it's, <laughs> it really is a resource to use with development. But um, PHP 8.1, is there anything in here that has you guys excited? Enums. Enums? I am with you on the enums. Enums are cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I've been using enums not in this form, so I think I think that will make the code that I do use a little easier mm-hmm. um, and just you know more moving more towards the uh, language level than user land level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you going to say something else, Tom? Um, Read only properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really that- cool. It looks that like was the thing interesting. Yeah, it looks yeah. like the thing that's going to pass. Um, there's some other stuff that definitely isn't going to pass. Uh, but read-only properties are interesting because it opens up what an interface is all of a sudden. Um, it does a lot of interesting stuff. So there's a lot of conversation in internals right now about an RFC to allow uh, defining properties in abstracts and interfaces. Interesting. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I realize we we've been off track a little bit, and I didn't have time to cue this up. But 
Do either one of you guys really understand the pure intersection types? Uh, no, I don't. I haven't. Okay. I mean, I think I get it. Where it's like, uh, if I if I'm understanding it correctly, it's like, like you say, you can pass a request and say, hey, oh, by the yeah. way, this this request should have this and this in it. But I was just wondering, it's like, why would you do that instead of just saying, okay, pass, you know, request. Yeah, so this is a pretty title simple. Title request ID. This is actually a pretty simple one. Um, so by default, the Laravel user model has the authenticatable trait associated with it. Um, and it also has the serialized model trait associated with it. So you might have a function that uses authentication and model serialization, and you want to make sure that when an object gets passed into it, you can do both things to it. So this just ensures this just ensures that that functionality, that type is a is is an aspect of the model being passed in. Get it? Yeah. Um, versus union Where, types, which said one or the other. It has to be one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, pure intersection types means it has to be both. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't even read that one. That's that looks pretty cool. I I like the the new in the initializers, mm-hmm. which would be really cool. So basically. Currently, if you have something like a logger that is not required, you often initialize it as new. So if it doesn't get passed in, it's null. And then in your code, you might say, if logger is null, logger equals new null logger. Where yeah. now you can just you can just put that straight into the constructor and say, logger equals new null logger. Yeah. So basically, if it doesn't get passed in, it becomes that. It just removes an if statement. I think that falls under syntactic sugar. It, where it's, well, it's just... It's, it's, it's syntactic sugar. It's also, it tightens up your controllers. If you have a, a lot of things coming in and you're checking, like, if this is null, then I need to, I want something there. I don't, I don't want to throughout my class say, if logger log this, I just want to log it and have a null logger that doesn't do it in most yeah. cases. No, I mean, I get, I just, it's, I mean, if I think if it's, if it's really a, a big benefit to you, then there's a code smell for you. <laughs> No, I disagree. You're wrong. Um, the never type uh, is stupid. a nice, strong new type. Stupid. Uh, nope. It's not not stupid, but yep, stupid. No, uh, it's you know. Uh, it, your, it means, your code, your code should not exit. Very some, rarely. Sometimes should it, it should. Exit. Some some shell scripts should just exit exit one or exit shell, zero. Shell scripts, yes. Some Most of, of us. Kevin in our Kevin in our Discord brings up fibers. I think uh, fibers is probably something ninety percent of us will never touch. I wouldn't even the, say ninety. I'd say ninety nine point nine. The the issue with fibers in this implementation is that it produces fibers as available to very, very, very low-level coding. Um, There needs to be a lot of work done on frameworks or on additional implementation of uh, uh, I.O. management code for fibers to be useful. So as it stands, it's it's a preview feature. It's not actually going to be something you want to use. And if you think you want to use it, the you don't and stop because i've i've looked i've looked at this in depth and you don't want to use it right now unless you right, unless you want to just play with new stuff then go for it mm. i'm not going to judge even then it's just going to give you a headache all right we should am, probably wrap up real quick i am worried about the breaking changes personally i well, don't know well, that it's I, don't know that it's going to affect me but i i use I still use a PHP, a library that was written for PHP 4 that 
I've bastardized to make work in 7.4, and it makes heavy use of globals. Oh, so, okay. I don't know. I don't know that it will be affected, but I need to go look at it because this is more the the backwards breaking change in eight one is you can't operate on the entire array, so you can't like reset globals in general. You can't say, "Hey, it's a, a fresh array," and basically get rid of everything. Mm. I don't think that that's happening in the code base. But you're not worried about auto auto vivification. Uh, I'd have to reread that. I forget what it is. Oh, actually, I'm yes, I am worried about that to a point. So I'm very worried about auto, this one. Auto viv. So, uh, so what it does it, is is there's these cases where you can cast a a variable as false and then reference it as an array to add values to it, and <clears throat> PHP will ditch the false and turn it into an array. Um, <clears throat> this is considered bad. Mm. Uh, so if you if you declare a, a variable as something other than an array and try to append to it, it should throw an error, which it will now. Gotcha. So. <clears throat> it's uh, if you have code where you're you're defining uh, properties as this array equals false, and then later on you don't recast it, you just append to it, then it will throw an error now. And I have definitely seen a lot of code that does that. Well, I think it's it's going to be deprecated, not burned to the ground. So you you'll get deprecation errors, but it's not. I don't know why it's under backwards breaking, or maybe it's, it's not. It's Breaking it is, changes. It is a deprecation. So I guess deprecation is considered breaking change, but it's not breaking your code yet. Yeah, but it will. Um, there's also a lot of stuff like old PDO stuff that that changes, and you know, I mean, you got to keep up to date. Uh, you know, like 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 uh, Eric said, January's release of Laravel Nine is going to be based on Symphony, the latest version of Symphony, which is going to require PHP 8. So if you're not getting ready to upgrade to PHP 8 from whatever you're on, then you're not going to be upgrading Laravel either. Mm-hmm. All right. I uh, I have other things I would like to discuss, but we are super late, so I definitely want to give uh, John an opportunity to bail on us. I know he's got a thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, just a reminder, uh, for the people who watch us live, we do appreciate you, especially our Patreons. Thank you very much, our Patreons. Uh, so, t- John, no no John next week, right? It's just the Tom right. and Eric show? It's just Yeah, just the two of us trying to figure out video errors all on our lonesome. That should be fun. <laughs> that should be fun. All right, cool. Uh, we are already at 11 o'clock uh, West Coast time, midnight for Tom, right? Is it midnight for you, Tom? Or yeah, one. Yeah, it's midnight. Yeah, or or is it one o'clock? Are you no, two it's hours mid- or what? It's one hour midnight. Oh, okay, okay. So I don't. For for those of you who've gotten accustomed to the audio stream being available Friday morning, yeah, that probably won't happen this week. <laughs> <laughs> this one's going to take a lot of cleanup. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version and you didn't watch the live stream, you should be very happy because. There were a lot of challenges, and you didn't have to worry about any yeah. of it. You didn't live through any of it. So we did, it we didn't lose but, but, 40 minutes. But go hit, yeah, but go hit subscribe for us. We would love it. Yeah, just make us look yeah. good on YouTube. You don't have to watch us. Just just subscribe to just, us. Just subscribe. You hit the thumbs up every now and then, too. That, that would be good. Not that we get anything out of it. It's just fun to see. So Yeah, YouTube has that double speed thing. Watch it at full speed, you know, whatever. Make yourself happy. <laughs> All right, that's it. That will be episode 244. 
I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host named Thomas because he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this because the people love me shouts out to php the ugly it's called ugly because it's not professional but i'm about to come through and bless it with style so let's do it when i'm spitting i perfume the room yo the segment of the show is called doom and gloom that came from thomas yeah can nobody go beyond this i get the mic and then i'm about to keep it like a promise yeah and y'all know we fill them up with anguish we talking about the php the programming language about to break it down no exaggeration what do Y'all do for a living web applications Okay, I can dig it My words spray tight Uh, They're getting together on the Thursday nights Yeah, when it comes to rhyming You can call me the new dude I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube So let's get it You know my lyrics are major All up in the comments They got plenty of haters But they doing what they doing Keep it ugly We ending every show with the saying It's lovely, let's go Yeah, come on